Your employees expect top-tier medical benefits like comprehensive care access, but how can you balance these expectations against rising costs across your full benefits portfolio? Find savings and opportunities in your most highly utilized benefit, your pharmacy plan. Did you know that hospital employees fill 25% more prescriptions each year than other industries? How can you tell if all those prescriptions were needed or if you could have had significant cost savings by filling at your own hospital pharmacies? Tap into these opportunities with an independent pharmacy benefits partner and solutions designed around your unique requirements and resources. Rx Benefits provides pharmacy benefit strategies, from expert advisory services to programs that leverage your hospital pharmacy's purchasing power, all while offering competitive benefits with award-winning customer service. We've been working with hospitals for over 15 years, and our clients range from rural and critical access hospitals to large health systems, with healthcare-specific solutions that make the most of hospital assets and dispensing capabilities. Visit us at employers.rxbenefits.com or click the link in the show notes to learn how to boost your benefits with an optimized pharmacy plan. Bo and Luke Nation, welcome to another episode of the Bo and Luke Show. We are here live for the first time since October in Phoenix at the Asherah Conference. We have the pleasure of having Kathy Hennessy with us, Vice President of Talent Acquisition at Advent Health. Kathy we're so happy to have you here. It's our oh, first interview of the conference. Very excited. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, great. I am from Dallas originally, and I've moved around the country for different jobs, and now I've ended up in Orlando, and I manage a large recruitment team, hiring tons of people, and I've been there for with Advent Health now for eight years, three years in Chicago, and five years in Orlando. Wow. That's impressive. This has seen a lot of change over the past yes. years. Lots of changes. How has your job evolved specifically since COVID? Because that's kind of the big topic here. Yeah, you know, the right before COVID, it was supposed to be an easy year. We had gone through five years of transformation of our tech, you know, our tech stack, and so we were entering in. We centralized everything, and we were entering into what I thought was going to be my rest year. I had a big vacation planned, and you know, it was just going to be maintenance and tweak, and you know, fix little things. And two months later, COVID hits. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and so I thought, okay, this is fine. This is going to be just for a couple months. And, you know, we'll get through this. And, and we have been in, you know, surge staffing uh, now for two and a half years. And it's just every day is something different. And it's not going away. No, it's not going away. There's, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and the only light is really that this is our new normal. And this is the way we live life. This is it. You know. So now is your team, has your team grown at all, or is it just you're doing more with what you have? Like, how has that evolved for you? You know, it's, it's hard to tell. So we have, we, for the last five years, have continued to buy hospitals. So we buy one a year, two a year, and then we've built a few hospitals. So it's hard to know, did we, did we grow because of COVID or because of expansion? Mainly because of expansion. Uh, but they've grown double in size since I've uh, started. My team's a little over 250 people now. Wow. We have recruiting, pre-boarding, and sourcing. That's a big team. Yeah, it's a really big team. Yeah. yeah. So when you when you go in and you buy a new hospital, 
Um, what are some of the things that you look at when it comes to the staffing of that hospital? And <laughs> yeah. how are you communicating <laughs> that? I could imagine how overwhelming it might be if there's a lot of gaps to fill. And then how do you communicate that with your team and create sure. a strategy to actually fill fill yeah, those Bo, jobs? Yeah, that strategy sounds awesome. Let me tell you, when I learn about our acquisitions is when I hear about them on the news. Oh, wow. And there isn't always involvement in talent acquisition. And I tried to tell them, you know, when you go by this rural hospital, it's not new, by the way. It's old. And it's probably not run so well. And But we have a lot to offer. They don't always consult talent acquisition about how hard is it to recruit there. No. And so... So I get it after the fact, and I get about three months' notice, maybe three, four months, and then I have to start desperately doing the research. And I generally know we can improve things, and we'll offer updated technology in those hospitals and upgrade the the staff. And um, so it usually works out well. But now if I get to build a new hospital, they do bring us in, and I get about a year notice. So that's been Yeah, that's a big difference. Yeah, the buying. But I assume, you know, the acquisition probably just came up as a – you know, I don't want to say a fire sale, but probably something came up and said, hey, this is available. we got to act on it. Yep. And so yep. I get that that's probably what happened. Wow. How do you get a staff of 250 people to have the same sense of urgency that I'm sure you have? Mm-hmm. Because in healthcare with with nurses, you can't let the grass grow under your no. feet. You need to make an offer now. How do you translate that to such a large team? Because we talk to people that have make teams of 10, 15, a little bit easier, 250 I mean, yeah, you know, we like to hire um, recruiters that have a background in agency and corporate in a perfect world um, because they learned the metrics and they learned to understand that that sense of urgency is there. And so that has been a great combination in finding people. And then we set very specific expectations from the very beginning that we are an elite team, an elite coming from this organization we belong to with metrics. And we win top award every year. Um, And that comes with expectations. And we explain that from the beginning is you will be measured, 60 different metrics we do, and you will be measured against those. And if you're not performing, you know, we have to, we have to move on because we've got to work hard. And everybody works hard. And so the leaders understand it. And so it just perpetuates itself to find that rock star team. And they just work in sync. And they expect that of each other. So if someone's not carrying the weight, they they pull them along. You know, we'll get the right training. It's not like a it's not like the agency in that if you don't produce, you're out. We're gonna get you the right tools. We'll get you more training as long as you're willing to work. I think that's great. Do you apply those same types of metrics to the to the hiring managers, the clinical staff that are part of your hiring process? Absolutely. To ensure they're not the ones holding up the Holding up your recruiters from actually filling filling the positions because I know yeah, that's absolutely. a challenge yeah, in, in any company question. that can be a challenge. Yeah, we say you know this is this is a two way street, right? Mm-hmm. And our best metric that we do is for the manager is hiring manager decision time. And so, how long does it take from the point that I give it to you? Do you? interview this person right and so we have that by manager Uh and we have an expectation that it should be less than five days now and you think about that it's really to disposition time you know five days may seem a long time but you get a lot of rejections you know within hours versus those that may take two weeks to interview Um, but we're running roughly about nine days right now which is still really long um, you know, but in healthcare, they used to do two, three interviews, peer interviews, panels. Like I've had to break them of all these habits because of COVID. Yeah. And so 
if they've come along and they understand that, listen, if we don't jump on them, you know, if this is the best person today, then hire them today. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's so important. And I think that's a great lesson for everybody listening in whatever company that you're in, whatever industry that you're in, uh, especially with today's labor market. And you, you just got to have that process locked tight and everybody that's in it. Yeah, absolutely. And we do. We also just for the whole process, we measure the candidate experience from application time to disposition time, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit different. You know, it's really from their experience. And we explain to them, we show them our survey results and different things that say, listen, if you don't move fast, they don't like you. They think there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. If you cannot make a decision fast, then what are you going to do in my performance review? What are you going to do when I need to order equipment? They see that as a culture. And if Mm -hmm. you're not representing that in your interview process, well, that's how they're going to make their decision. Yep. I I feel like I want to go towards uh, the agency side of staffing Mm -hmm. and uh, travel nursing. So I want to call something out. So for listeners that aren't familiar that have been living under a rock, there's a major problem in healthcare today. Healthcare organizations are spending like not a few million, like hundreds of millions of dollars on travel staff, temporary staffing. Mm-hmm. I own my own staffing mm-hmm. firm. So I can tell you that it's a good time to be in that business. But I can also tell you from seeing it on both sides, the only way that is going to go away is that healthcare organizations solve the problem themselves. You're Absolutely. doing that at Advent Health. So tell me a little bit about how you're doing it because I feel like the rest of the industry got a little flat-footed. Sure. Well, we're trying to solve part of that problem, right? Is you know there is all there's there's a the elephant in the room is the pay, right? Sure. And what we're paying them, and what versus what the travel agency is paying them. But during COVID, that first kind of what was a lull when New York was so high. Um, we were in a lull in Florida, and so we're like, okay, this is coming. So no matter what, it's coming. So what are we going to do? And so we built an internal staffing agency, and I looked at their models. I've been in the agency before, and I'm like, okay, well, that model's not hard to duplicate. So I built a separate recruitment team, and I couldn't, I couldn't just have it be part of my team because – it, that costs more money, right? Sure. Another team costs money. And so I figured out a way that I'm just going to tack a margin on top of it, and I'm going to charge it back to them. And we will hire uh, travel nurses, and we call it Staff Flex, because the idea is just to offer different flexible staffing options for them. You know, right. we'll kind of talk about that. It just leads into that gig economy. But I can offer a 13-week contract. I can pay them $100 an hour. And they, you know, they're going to give up their benefits, and they're going to give up things but I'll offer it to them. And we went to the external market. We wouldn't let our internal staff move unless you would go to a job that's 125 miles away. So we just didn't want to get everybody moving around the same right. position, right? right? So that external, and we knew that we could hire to our own culture. So we applied the same principles of hiring to our culture and that they really like that. And so, um, you know, I built a business plan. I thought if I could get 50 billable people by the end of the year, um, I could pay for my staff. Well, then, you know, the COVID really hit high surge. Um, here I am a year later and I have 315 people billing at any given time with a team of seven people, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And wow. we, we've made a lot of money, but it's for the company, right? It is just money recycled in ourselves. And at the end of last year, I had $5 million sitting in my account and finance calls. And they're like, um, first of all, how'd you get this money? You know, cause I'm just doing internal billing and I uh-huh. explained it to them. They're like, well, you know, you can't keep this. 
I'm like, yes, I understand that. I'm not going <laughs> to keep it. So I can't even do yeah. anything with it anyway. Yeah, I'm going to bonus everybody this. on yeah, my team gonna myself. Yeah, we're going to all go to Tahiti. You yeah. know? I'm pretty sure that's not going to fly. Um, but we ended up rebating all that money because we made such big mar- margins because we were matching what the travel nurses sure. agencies were doing. We just rebated all the money back to anybody that used an agency. So they basically got it free. And yeah. it was really genius. You're solving a problem. In an industry, by the way, that moves so fast on acquisitions and care to patients itself, that typically we see the business side lagging behind a little bit as a whole. Mm-hmm. You're doing, you're not doing that. That's impressive. Yeah, it's, it wasn't easy to get people on board, and it's still it's still a struggle. And now, you know, now we have we have so many competitors that have come to us and say, "Well, okay, well, how'd you do that?" And of course, you know, we're at Asher Live, and I'm speaking on a Wednesday, so I've already had tons of people say, "I'm coming to your session. I want to learn about this." And you know, it's great. Do it in house, you know, and yeah. figure out a way to to make it work for you inside. Yeah. Well, I think there'll always be a need for the external agency than travel agency because, you know, just emergencies happen. So sure. I do think those will always be. Oh, of need. course. Yeah. Of course. But it's become the norm. Absolutely. I mean, and, and for large organizations, why not do it ourselves? If you're a small company, small little hospital, small healthcare, you can't do this, but that's okay. Yeah, that's you fine. Know, that's what the agencies are for. That's right. totally fine. Yep. It's totally right. fine. Yeah, I, I just love that you're tackling that because that's so huge. Do you re- do you ever sit back and realize how big of a job you have? <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe I was like, oh wow, you hired that many people. Like, I try not to because when people try to like say, well, well, how do you do that? I'm like, don't ask. Let you, you know, just every day, one day at a time, we tackle that problem and we just go on. And you know, it's about hiring great leaders, putting trust in them, developing them, and then we just it just becomes a machine. Yep. You know, and then you trust the machine and just keep it running. Fix the broken wheel, broken part. That's what my day becomes. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. All right, I got a, I got a question. Yeah. We're going to go personal or professional with it. Okay. Uh, biggest challenge, recent challenge you've overcome personally or professionally. Uh, what did you learn from it? And if somebody else is in the same position, what can you tell them about how to get through it? Oh. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Bo and Luke Nation, discover your leadership edge with Edge Leadership Academy. Their expert coaching transforms high performers into influential leaders. Whether in business or athletics, they tailor their approach to your unique journey. Embrace their mentorship and workshops to elevate your leadership skills. Join the ranks of those who lead with confidence and purpose. Visit edgeleadershipacademy.com to start your transformation. Edge Leadership Academy, where leaders are made. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. That's a good question. Um, You know, work-life balance is really difficult as a leader because we just did a recent engagement survey, and it was very clear, you know, that the work-life balance is – we're at it two years, and they're like, I'm done with this. Like, figure it out, right? And the problem is I can't hire enough recruiters i have 67 contract recruiters right now on staff in addition to my team wow and it's still not enough right and because i'm losing people now to the competitors you know just people are leaving healthcare, and so that is really it's a personal struggle because they're saying to me it's affecting my family you know i you know i see things happening in personal lives that i know it's the work that i'm asking them to do 
is affecting their personal life. Sure. And that's really hard to continue yeah. to ask them to do this because I'm doing it too. And it affects my life too. I, you know, I have less friends um, because I just can't dedicate time to that. I work six days a week, you know, 12 hours, and that's a toll on a personal life. And I, and I don't have children, so I can only imagine what I'm asking my staff to do. That's really hard. Well, I'm really glad that, you know, you're picking up on that and that it's something that you're thinking about because that's, you know, the first step. Yeah, so we're just trying to figure out, like, how do we, you know, get either get more people or find a different way to, to hire the people or stop losing them, right? That's what I'm asking my leadership is you figure out how to stop losing these people. We need to, you know, it's not always about throwing more money at them, but, you know, sometimes you got to pay a little bit more than lead the market than just match the market, right? Yeah. And we're doing amazing things and adding benefits that we never had before. Um, so that helps a lot. And we're seeing that start to come down. We're seeing our turnover start to turn down. So that's exciting. And if we can figure that out, then we, we've got a machine. You're on your way. You're doing yeah. it better than anyone else I can see right now. Yeah, absolutely. But what would you apply to this from the military? Bo wrote a book that's basically about applying everything from the military and his experience <laughs> in the White House into the workplace. Yeah. Uh, and I love the analogies that you get. What, what would you say in this type of situation? Well, I, I think Kathy said something um, when she's talking about developing the in, um, your in-house recruiting effort, just like the outsourced companies do it. And the first thing you said was, I built a, I created a business plan, right? Absolutely. Um, and we've talked about that before on yep. the show, Luke, right? So even in the military, if you're going to, we'll just say, you know, whatever, whatever you're going to do, you're going to go to war, you're going to go on an exercise. There's a plan that gets made first. It gets communicated. We call it an operations order, but it's a, it's a business plan sure. is what it is. It's like, it's step by step. This is what we're going to do. Which, which departments are responsible for doing what, who's going to lead each effort. Um, but it's all laid out in a plan so that you actually have something to execute against. Right. And I think that's that's what I take from that, Luke. Um, and it's so critical. It's so important to have a plan that you're going to execute against, because once you start, if you don't have that plan, yeah. how are you evaluating what it was right. you're doing well, yeah. as you go along in these steps? Not every plan can you be don't. adjusted. You, you can yeah. make adjustments. Right. Yeah. But at least, you know, what you're adjusting against and say, "Ooh, that piece of the plan didn't quite work the way I think it needed to. So we need to change this piece. But if you didn't do that and if you didn't have a plan, you would never know what it is you're just kind of ad-libbing yep. and ad-libbing does not solve problems it's like putting uh, putting a band-aid on a you know a sucking chest wound type yep. of thing it's just not gonna yeah, not you, gonna get you there the, you know i learned early in my career the c-suite is all about the return on investment it doesn't even matter what it is they just want to know what's the ROI. you're gonna yeah. come ask for me for money you know or some type of resource what am I going to get for it? And so I've learned how to write that business plan and just show what are you going to get for it? What is that return on investment? And I rarely get a no. You know, I get a, okay, you could try a pilot in a smaller form. Sure. That's fine. You know, but I'll give you the money for that. And I've learned how to write that. And, you know, recently I, I had to meet with our executive chief nursing officer for um, some ideas that I had. And I titled the meeting because I needed a meeting quick. Like I needed it that week. And so I titled the subject line, Million Dollar Savings. And she's like, and she answered within like two minutes. <laughs> uh -huh. And she goes, how do I turn down a meeting like that? Yeah. You know, and I've done that to executives before. And it's like, okay, well, I'm going to listen to her. 
You know, yeah. I'll take that over somebody else. And that's what it comes down to is write that business plan. And you think, well, why do I have to write a business plan when I'm working inside a corporation? Because you need to get your money. You need to get your resources, yep. right? And that's yep. what it takes. For I love sure. That. Yes. I just love everything that you just said. Yeah. <laughs> It is. Yeah. It's business, and that's what they understand, right? You have to answer them, not mm-hmm. like, okay, I, don't you see my bleeding? You know, employees are hurting. Can't you see that? No, they need to see the return on investment, right? Yeah. So we're noticing consistencies now of good leaders. So we just had this pop up with Seb Gerard, the mm-hmm. CHRO over Centura Health. Yeah, he was awesome. You, wasn't he great? Yeah. But some of the same things he yeah. say he said, you're saying as well. So, for example, he said he got really good at socializing mm-hmm. ideas. I'm really good at that. One other thing he said said that really uh, popped out to us was what can he unlearn today in order to prepare for tomorrow? You're successful at this job now because you threw everything you did out the window pre-COVID. Absolutely. And adapted. And now in a short period of time, I can tell you, you're one of the only healthcare organizations actually doing their own internal travel agency right now. Yeah. Everyone's thinking about it. They're thinking about it. There's a lot of people thinking about it for sure. And and, and one of the things that he said is, you know, you got to be willing to step out. Mm-hmm. And say, you know, try something that's never been tried before and put your job on the line. Yep. Like I did that five years ago. We were in a situation where we were in Chicago and, you know, we weren't paying market and I could see the turnover was really increasing. I said, listen, we got to at least get to market and, and I'm going to do you. I did an analysis. I did a business plan. I said, we will get to where we need to be in 12 months or you can replace me. Like do what I'm asking or replace me. Yeah, it's bold. They're like, yeah, do it. And so worked out great, Woo, you know, but I knew it would work. And so you got to be willing to put your job on the line at, the, at, at leadership level. Right? We've had yeah. multiple people yeah. say that too. Yeah. 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 You won't take the, if, if you don't, I mean, right. in this, gosh, there's probably lots of examples, but if you don't, then you'll never achieve what you could possibly achieve. You'll never get to the heights that you want to go to or that you think you can take your company to if you're not putting those things on the line. You have have to. to. I mean, you've got to be able to separate yourself, right? And what leader, you know, above you is not going to take a chance on you if you're, you know, if you're willing to put your job on the line, I'm going to take a chance on you, Yeah. right? I mean, then I know you're going to be committed. Yes. Yeah. Make it work. I'm getting all fired up now. (laughs) Yeah. I'm getting all fired up. It's like I have 12 months. Yes. Yes. Right. That's it. I have 12 months in this company and it's make it or break it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Kathy, for the end here, we like to plug Advent, say why people should work for you, how they can get a hold of you. How they can pay you millions of dollars to start your own their own internal agency? Yeah. So I am an open book. I you know I volunteer to speak you know at different associations different things because i feel like giving back so we have nothing to share you know no reason not to share everything we've invited companies in and tour with us or you know we'll get on a half a day session with another team so i'm in linkedin for sure open and you know networker uh, kathy.hennessy at adventhealth.com pretty easy um out there yeah yeah thank this you this is great and listeners to, to recap it all up you're seeing or hearing Kathy right now being very successful after doing something, but the basis and the genesis of what she started to do, you can do all of that today. Think about that. What step can you do today to unlearn something and do something different? Because the market's changing. You need to change with it. Are you willing to put your job on the line? Can you do something today when you go into work to show that you're you believe in this so much and you know it's going to work just like you said Kathy absolutely that you're willing to put your job on the line yeah guys 
this is stuff that can move you forward today and make a giant impact and change the trajectory of your career. Yeah, no doubt. You know, there, I mean, I meet people all the time to, that has this idea that if my company would only do this, you know, or, or if I could just do that, I'm like, what, what are you waiting on? You know, just do it. Just what do you, what's stopping you? What's the worst thing that's going to happen? It's going to fail. Okay. So what? You yeah. know, I fail yeah. every day. I could, we could do a whole podcast on my failures. No one's going to, yeah. yeah. Nobody no, cares about those. No boss Because I have more gonna, wins yeah. than losses. No boss right? is going to fire you for <laughs> trying right. so hard, no. right? Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. I you basically have that. to ask yourself three questions and is really, is it, is it illegal? If it's not, okay. Is it immoral or is it unethical? And Love if you it. can say no to those three, then what's stopping you? Right. Absolutely. Do it. Yeah. Ask permission later type of thing. Right? You're going to know go quickly if it. it's not working. And so right. what you pivot, go on and pivot and it's fine. Yep. You know, we've had failures and things. That's okay. Yeah. Nobody remembers those. That's how you transform. Right. Absolutely. You know, that's a great point. Nobody remembers those. Right. Nobody remembers no. the failures. Nobody remembers the failures because you're going to grab on to the successes. Yeah. Right. Even if it's two successes out of a hundred, those two are, are it. And that's, you know, that's how private equity companies work. Yes. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's true. Or, or venture capitalists more right. so. You know, we're going after a hundred different ideas, hoping that they know only a few of them may be the, those gold nuggets that really take That's off. Right. Right. But, but what does that mean? You have 97 failures, but all they're going to remember as a company is, man, we hit it big all you need on to do. these three, right? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. That's awesome. It's not hard. No, it's not. No. So listeners, let's go do it. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> Bo and Luke Nation coming at you live with Kathy Hennessy from ASHRA 22 in Phoenix. That's a wrap. We'll be right back.